Hi, I'm Gabby. Welcome to the final instalment of our trilogy of bonus episodes for the My Possible Self podcast. We've been talking about bullying, how that can affect somebody's mental health, and most importantly, what we can do about it. In the first episode, we looked at online bullying. Then we dove into bullying behaviour in the workplace. And today we are exploring bullying amongst young people. That's from very small kids to Gen Zers. And we have an amazing panel of ladies representing from the NSPCC and Childline and the UK's national anti-bullying charity, Bullies Out, who are an amazing group of people dedicated to providing help, training, support and information to individuals, schools, youth and community settings affected by bullying. These fab ladies will share a wealth of wisdom, insights and advice on the subject. But before we meet our incredible panel, I wanted to share this paragraph taken from the Council of Europe website because I think it sums up how seriously bullying can affect a person's mental health. They say, bullying is unwanted aggressive behaviour that involves a real or perceived power imbalance. The behaviour is repeated or has the potential to be repeated over time. Both kids who are bullied and who bully others may have serious lasting mental health problems. Bullying may include antagonism, physical violence, sexual harassment, threats, teasing, social exclusion or other psychological violence. The presence of bullying is often a sign of aggressive or violent behaviour elsewhere in children and young adults' lives. And young children may be acting out at schools or elsewhere what they have observed and learnt at home. Recent studies suggest that bullying in adolescence and childhood can have worse long-term effects on young adults' mental health than being subject to maltreatment during childhood. And while you let that sink in for a minute, we're going to proceed with the episode. And it is now my great pleasure to introduce you to Lucy Howard, Lisa Johnson and Helen Westerman. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the time out of your busy days to like um, talk to us about basically bullying amongst young people and Gen Z and, and below. So I did actually want to kick things off because this is the most amount of guests we've had on one episode <laughs> of the podcast. So just so our listeners like get familiar with you all and a little bit about your background. Um, Helen, why don't we start with you? You're uh, a Childline spokesperson and head of local campaigns for the NSPCC. Yeah, I've, I've been working at the NSPCC since 2006 and both deliver and manage a team of people staff that deliver local campaigns so these are campaigns that safeguard children in communities and I also speak on behalf of, of Childline I've been a, a school service volunteer for our organisation for for some time now and I'm also a mum to a 16 year old who's about to start her GCSEs so um, oh you've got your hands full there yeah. <laughs> welcome and um, thank you for being with us <laughs> I can see Lisa rubbing her hands so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm so cold 
<laughs> oh, you're cold. You're cold. Yeah. I thought you were like ready to get stuck no, in. Oh, ready to get stuck in. We can, we can go. Okay. Lisa Johnson, you're a business strategist, quite the entrepreneur. You're a spokesperson for Bullies Out. We're about to meet somebody else from Bullies Out very shortly. And you yourself have had first-hand experience of bullying. Um, so I'm very keen to kind of know your story. And I guess it's there is a positive ending to it because you're quite the, the success. <laughs> Yeah, there is. And I, I was bullied at school from the age of 11. So I got a scholarship to a private school. Um, it, I was in council housing, you know, grew up in, as many of us did in council housing and then get a scholarship to a private school. So when I went to that private school, you know what kids are like, they see the differences. And um, we were very poor and they were very rich. And so that started uh, years and years until I was actually 17 of um, bullying from, from all of the kids there. So that was my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to, to hear that. And um, yeah, thank you for allowing us to like look into your story as well and hopefully help others by, by sharing it. Last but by no means least, we've got Lucy Howard from Bullies Out. So Bullies Out is a national children's bullying charity. Uh, Lucy is head of content and media. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, uh, thank you. Yes, I've worked with Bullies Out uh, for almost three years now. We, um, we're an anti-bullying charity that covers across the UK and we actually work with children and young people, but we also work with their parents, with teachers and with businesses. So we work with anyone involved in that bullying cycle, no matter your age. We're here and happy, happy to help. You are. And, and I'm actually just curious, have you ever worked with the NSPCC or Childline directly? We signpost towards them, and I'm, mm. but, um, but yes, I'm not sure if we've actually worked on anything directly. Mm. Okay, well, I want to start right at the beginning uh, and ask, and Lucy, why don't you kick us off? How would you define a bully? So that's quite an interesting one to start with, actually, because at Bullies Out, we would say we don't label people. So we don't label somebody a bully. We wouldn't label somebody a victim um, because by putting that label on someone, it almost as you said, that defines them and it becomes self-perpetuating. So if you take a five or six-year-old and you tell them they're a bully, um, what, what does that imply to them? What, what kind of behaviours are you then evoking in them? So actually, we would, we, we would always say to someone, we never label somebody a bully. We talk about someone maybe displaying bullying behaviours is the way we would go about it. Right, okay. Helen, at what age would you say, say that bullying behaviour tends to begin? Well, I think at Childline, we speak to children of all ages who have experienced bullying. So there's, there's really no blueprint for it. And it can be experienced by anyone at any age in many different settings at, at any time. No matter what age a child, they can still experience all the different types of bullying. Um, you know, not, not necessarily dependent on background or their age. It might be physical. It might be emotional bullying. It could take place online or it could take place in person. What are the different types of, of bullying that people will, you know, come to you about? Well, I think when, when Childline was originally set up back in the 80s, we have heard very much about that face-to-face -face bullying, obviously, that, that, you know, children were experiencing perhaps at school, in the playground, in the park. But we're also now hearing about online bullying, um, and that's 
you know, that can be really difficult because of the 24-7 nature of it or the potential for it. But we still hear about physical bullying, such as being hit or pushed. We hear about verbal bullying, name calling, gossiping, that emotional abuse, such as threatening or intimidating behaviour, humiliating somebody. For some children, it might be about being excluded or isolated. You might even be being controlled by someone or they might receive a, a hoax or abusive call. So there's lots of different ways that young people and children can experience bullying. Is one of the underlying sort of, I guess, I'm going to say the word factors when Lisa sort of went into her story a little bit, is it is discrimination still, does that underline a lot of these cases? I think we say that um, any child can experience bullying, no matter what their background is. However, the children who are different to their peers are certainly can be more at risk. So, for example, race, gender, sexual orientation. It might be that a child appears perhaps more anxious, has lower self-esteem, lacks assertiveness, could be shy. But also children can experience bullying because others are jealous of them. So and, and others can be an easy target, as, as Lisa described. It might be family circumstances or disability, a whole range of things that might make somebody be a little bit more singled out than their peers. Yeah, Lisa, like looking back at your sort of experience in this, what do you think made you a target? Was it the money factor? Um, was it because you showed so much potential? I definitely didn't show potential then. <laughs> I feel like I stood out first because, you know, I was the one in the secondhand uniform. I was the one with the free ticket to get free lunches like I stood out because of that I think I was also a quiet child so I, I didn't really answer back when people um you know I had low self-esteem so I didn't really answer back when people first started to sort of pick on me and, and display bullying behaviors and I think that helped them to realize that oh well this is someone we can actually just you know make them feel good to be picking on someone and I always talk about the bystander as well and and the people that were around them I've, I've since spoken to them as an adult and they said some of them said the reason that we always kind of just allowed it to happen was because if not you then me mm. Mm. So was there like a leader of the pack in terms yeah. of, yeah. And this happened in two different schools. So the first school that I went to was an all girls school. And there was a definite two girls who looked a lot older than everybody else in, the, you know, the, the most developed girls. Um, and they were definitely the leaders of the pack there. And everybody would do what they said. And then when I, I, I begged my dad to leave school when I was 14 and said, I can't deal with it anymore. Um, and I didn't tell him for a long period of time because he was a single parent and I didn't want to put more pressure or stress on him. And so I kept quiet for a long time. But I eventually said, I can't do it anymore. And I got moved to a normal grammar school. And that was a mixed school. But what happened there was I was different again. I was the new girl, but also I came from the posh school down the road. Mm. So I was immediately targeted and bullied, you know, from the very first day there. But this time the ringleaders were boys and girls. And so it was, was far worse. Oh, my goodness. And then in terms of like your own mental health, looking back, I mean, because we're looking at this through the lens of mental health for my possible self, how did it affect yours? 
my mental health from that age, I, I can see clearly that up to 11, I was fine. I had no mental health problems. I was a really happy kid. From the age of 11 to now, I've had multitudes of mental health issues and therapy and things that I've had to deal with because I think that what people don't realize is that when you're bullied as a child I think they believe that oh well you're just kids but actually it really does go into adult life and a lot of the things I experienced as an adult and a normal person who hasn't been bullied would be able to cope with more than me so for instance I'm very visible online you know I have thousands of followers online so you can imagine the kind of you're gonna get some trolling you're gonna get some people bullying you online now, when that happens to somebody else, they can probably just take it in their stride and, and ignore that. When that happens to me, it takes me straight back to then. Mm. And so, you know, it becomes a, a different situation for me and can really affect my mental health. I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression since I was 12. Um, and so, yeah, I think it can have a massive, massive impact on your mental health. Goodness me. I'm gonna throw this out to Lucy and to Helen as well. When you get contacted, is it usually through the parents or do children themselves like take matters into their own hands? And what's the first step in terms of like getting them help? So from Bullies Out, we um, we get approached in, in a variety of ways. We obviously work in schools. So we deliver workshops and programmes to schools, um, which means we are accessible to the children, but also to the teachers. And we deliver virtual sessions to parents, which means we obviously have a lot of contact with parents. And so disclosures can come in in various ways. Is it a bit more preventative what you do? So we proactively go into schools and work with children and young people to try and stop bullying in its tracks by teaching life skills, by teaching the skills that we hope will change people's perspective and change the way people treat each other and we work a lot around kindness and we work differently with the different demographics you know as they go through um school obviously we we look at what we deliver in different ways but we also have a reactive side to bullies out we actually offer a free e-mentoring service so someone who's being bullied if a child is being bullied they can email in and they will be assigned a mentor and um as recently as the start of this year, we introduced our Talk To Us counselling service where um, someone can apply and have six funded sessions of counselling through us. Wow. Um, they have been struggling with bullying and that can be current or it can be historical because as Lisa was saying, it doesn't go away. And, you know, we're in, we're in mental um, health awareness week now as we, as we record this. Mm. And you know, the links between bullying and mental health are massive and we have to stop ignoring it and and start helping people get that support that they need when it's like kids bullying kids do you think they know really what they're doing like do you see the penny drop sometimes even in any of your sessions um, we don't just work with people who have um, suffered from bullying behavior we actually work with people who are displaying bullying behavior too because um, everyone within that bullying cycle needs to have some sort of support. We actually work with people who are bystanders to it as well. And we do a lot of work around turning bystanders into upstanders and, and how that might look. Um, and it might look different in a school to in a workplace, for example. It's important to, to see that everybody involved in it, um, you know, when people bully, you know, we'd be here all day if we looked at the reasons somebody bullies because there will be all different reasons behind it. And some people who are displaying bullying behavior may be being bullied themselves. And so it's really important to, to take account of that individual circumstances when we work with them. Mm. 
And uh, Helen, what about in your with uh, both Childline and with the NSPCC? Do you work usually with the we won't use the word victim, the person at the receiving end of some unpleasant behaviour. Yeah, I mean, children will contact us. We have our childline service, which is available 24-7, 365 days a year. So they, young people can speak with one of our trained counsellors or email us about anything. And that service is, is confidential. So we can support children and young people who are experiencing bullying also provide support and guidance to children that are exhibiting those behaviours but then we also have lots of advice on the the Childline website and and young people use our monitored message boards so they're moderated um, but young people can support other young people through their experiences and that's an, an amazingly powerful way for a young person to not feel so isolated they're actually getting advice and guidance from their peer group about how to to manage what's going on for them and often that will advice will be tell a trusted adult speak out because actually for me it didn't get better until I did so Lisa what about with you when did it start to get better for you and what support did you receive then and what support did you wish you'd have received so it didn't get better while I was at school we didn't get any support there was me and another girl in the second school in the first school they just ignored it and um, basically said the teachers then said Bullying is, you know, there's always someone that's going to be bullied in school. Just get on with it, kind of thing. Wow. In the, yeah, it was tricky. In the second school, there was me and one other girl that were being bullied, and so we found each other. And um, we eventually did tell a teacher what was going on, and they said that they didn't, they couldn't believe that the people that we were talking about, who was like the the football player, you know, the star football player, um, couldn't believe that they would be a bully because they were so they were such nice people and so kind to everyone because you know, they're manip- you know, very manipulative to adults they knew what they were doing and mm-hmm. um, by this point I was like 15 and then at 16 years old I ended up having a knife to my throat by one of the bullies as I tried to get onto the school bus and when that happened there were 20 of my school classmates if you like um jeering that person on to do something to me to cut me and that's when I think everything changed for me I it became you know I'd had little things before like tripping up and pushing and constant verbal emotional abuse but that became like a a trigger for me to say well I'm not going back to school end up like there's no way I'm going back there and I didn't and so it stopped when I left and actually, that day that that happened, Childline was there then. I called Childline then. And this was, you know, 20 years ago um, or more. So, yeah, and that's what kind of made me be okay to carry on. And um, it stopped when, I mean, I didn't put myself in situations for a long period of time where I could potentially be bullied because I was so scared by this point of people. Yeah. That I wouldn't even, if there was a group of, of girls coming down the street, I would cross the road. Like it carried on for a long period of time. It's only recently that I've felt able to, you know, in the last sort of five years, stand on stages in front of thousands of women. That would never have happened if you'd have seen me back then. Um, I was terrified of everything. So I didn't get any support. I got support from phone lines. And that was the only support that I could get at that point. I mean, my dad tried, you know, he went to the school. I think the girl got a slap on the wrist because it didn't happen in school grounds. And and that was kind of it. And so, yeah, that was the end of my my schooling, really. 
what kind of support can be offered over the phone if somebody and and also I wonder when and Helen maybe this is for you in terms of like I'm calling Childline I'm being really badly bullied is there a certain point where you would maybe have to get the police involved if you thought that the child was seriously at risk like in the story we just heard yeah I mean for us obviously Childline is that confidential service for that child or young person so um, we always try and uphold that but absolutely if a child is at an immediate risk or danger then we have a responsibility to do something about that and we will let the child know if that's the situation but I think it's about trying to almost as a, as a practice, you know, if you're talking to an anonymous counsellor, you can, you can practice about what you're going to say perhaps to people that have an emotional investment in you. And, and, and Lisa mentioned before about not wanting to tell a dad because, you know, he was a single parent, he had a lot on. And we hear from children that are worried about sharing their experiences with whoever's at home for fear of perhaps not being believed or are they just not handling it well are they really being bullied I'm not really sure what I am being bullied um or that they've seen people talk out before and nothing's changed or in fact something's got worse so it's about our counsellors talking through the options for that child or young person and helping them to kind of think about next steps for them and that's always trying to encourage them to to speak out about it because we hear from children on those message boards you know often it's the only way out of a, of a difficult situation when they start to get trusted adults in their lives involved. We do have quite a young demographic that use our app. For anybody like listening to this episode and it's resonating, it's scary to speak out, isn't it? Especially if you've been bullied by multiple people and perhaps you feel quite isolated. Could you advise on the type of language that could be used to speak out yeah I think for, for children it is about um for, for certainly for the adult listening to the child because I think if a child plucks up the courage to come to an adult that's 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 massive but also children talk to their peers don't they and and you know if you're a, a child or a young person and you're worried about a friend or a friend comes to you and says they're experiencing bullying to share that with somebody because actually kids can't sort this out for other children. You know, this is about adults helping our children to navigate this, the situation. But as a parent and carer, if your child comes to you and talks about, you know, they might not describe it as bullying, but you might get warning signs that something's not quite right for them, mm-hmm. that you would just tentatively start to unpick what that might be. And if your child does come to you and talk about that they're experiencing bullying behaviours, try not to have that really emotional reaction as a parent because that can really shut down a conversation quickly. The child might feel, oh, I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to worry. Um, I might have my device taken away from me because this bullying is happening on a platform or on a particular app that I really like using. And we hear from children that are nervous about sharing with parents or carers for fear of their device or the tech being taken away which can actually lead to to more angst because what's going on behind my back when I can't hear what's going on Mm. so Lucy do you do sessions when if we're talking about things like apps and I'm thinking of a case with a like a relative of mine where she was in a whatsapp group with some girlfriends and then they just all suddenly started to like shut her out. And I think they set up then their other group and then she found another group and then she found out they were all kind of hanging out without her. And she didn't really feel like she'd done anything wrong. She was just uh, left 
feeling very isolated and like she didn't have any friends anymore. Do you work with kids in these instances and what kind of advice would you give? So cyberbullying is actually um, the area I specialise in. And so, um, (laughs) yes, and and what you're talking about there, unfortunately, isn't unique. When we give these our children these devices, um, and we have to, I'm a big advocate to us all being online and our children being online because it is it's the way the world's going. So simply removing a device isn't going to make it go away or make it better. You're just alienating your child. So it's about empowering them to use those devices in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, exclusion is is quite a big form of um, bullying online Mm -hmm. and they use these platforms to do it so whatsapp for example is a classic they will create a group they will invite the person into the group and when they join they all link and the problem with the online world is that that can be happening in the privacy of their bedroom which is meant to be their safe space uh, and they're all on their own and that can feel really really overwhelming when that happens to you when you think you're in a safe space and you're alone. But it happens on all of them. So things like uh, Instagram, they can use their stories and they can um, uh, adopt it so that certain stories are just set to close friends. So you can view a stream of stories um, and you think you're seeing everything, but obviously some of them are only set to close friends. And so you're missing the little bits that are added in Mm. and they can use that against you as well. So... It, it can be exclusion can be a really big one um, in the online world. So yeah, when we are speaking to to parents around um, what they should do around um, supporting their children in that world, we say make sure you create some kind of safe space for them in your house, and that will look different depending on your on your family makeup. But it might be that you say no devices in bedrooms, so that their bedroom is their safe space. Or it might be that you say no devices after seven o'clock at night, so that after seven o'clock at night is your child's safe space. But we can shut the door on the face-to-face bullying and we can keep them safe from that for a a finite period of time. But if we are giving them those devices 24-7, the analogy we use is that, you know, if they are connected to the internet, it's like having your, your front door left open. Um, and anyone walking in off the street and having access to your child. So, you know, you have to build in, in the same way that you build in a safe space for them against that outside world, you have to build in a safe space against that online world for them too. Yeah, I've talked before about how I find social media can be a bit triggering anyway in terms of, like, mental health uh even with the best will in the world for for me sometimes especially with instagram actually sometimes i do i'd rather not see what's going on but also that's how you can find new friends right and communities as well and i'm i'm sort of thinking and i see you nodding there is that a, something that we can take in in a, a positive way in a you know is it about encouraging to find new groups of friends new communities new hobbies um, and not to remain so isolated. Yes, I mean, if you if you look at you know what we have managed to achieve over the last two years because of the online world, it, it's been phenomenal. And you know that is one of the things we do. We we run um, free sessions in eSafety for parents, and we also work with children. And a lot of what we do in, in those sessions is we talk about you know it's all about empowering them empowering them to use that online world in the correct way and to create the right form of digital footprint. And part of that is about what you do online. It's not just about what you're receiving. It's about what you're giving out online as well. So you'll have seen the quotes on social media that that talk about, you know, um, you know, don't 
don't let comparison spoil your day. You know, we all post our selected highlights on social media. But actually, if we take that one step further and think, well, instead of thinking, oh, social media can make us feel bad or we can be oversaturated to it. Actually, if we empower ourselves and proactively say, well, actually, what platform is making me feel bad or what accounts that I'm following are impacting my mood in a negative way and change the narrative. So follow accounts that make you feel positive, follow accounts that educate you or inspire you and mute those that don't. Choose when you have access to them. So if you're noticing that you immediately feel overwhelmed because as you were saying, you know, you've picked up Instagram first thing in the morning perhaps and it's hit you in the face and it's too much for you. Give it two hours, check it at 11 a.m. if that's your preferred time, but take control back from the device. And I think for a lot of our children and young people today, it's about showing them that they have control over that online world. They have control over the digital footprint they leave. And if they do it right, what a great marketing tool that is going to be for them going forwards. You know, they can, they can walk into a university admission or to a job application, having left this fantastic digital footprint that, you know, it's their marketing tool before they walk in the door, but it's about leaving the right one. Lisa, I'm curious in terms of like, Obviously, social media wasn't a thing when you were growing up. Do you think it would have been a comfort or do you think it would have made things worse? No, I don't know how kids cope now (laughs) with it. Um, The one thing that I always had is I could leave school and go home and they couldn't get me there. That was the one thing I had. If I had social media and it was constant, I think that would have finished me off, if I'm honest. I've got two 10-year-olds, I've got 10-year-old twins now, and I'm very careful about how they use things um, because of that exact reason. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. Now, as an adult, I think it's very different. I think it can really help. And I have lots of different communities coming to me, people who have been bullied, who feel like I've provided a safe space. And so it can help a lot there. But I think as a child, it's a bit different. And it, I, I think it does more bad than good at that age. I wonder as well if like maybe the resources now are better than they were because it sounds like there was never enough accountability held with the people that hurt you and also it didn't really come to a proper resolution did it well the resolution was you left school I think it is better now like when I look at how like even with my kids when I look at how people are dealing with bullying now and you know the whole growth mindset and the much more kind of inner work that people are doing around um, comparisonitis and all of these different things and about inclusion and diversity and everything else I think that on its own would have made a massive massive difference Um, but there was none of that then that no one thought like that it was definitely a more us and you type of how people were thinking and I I think even that's changing now because of the teachings that we're getting from places like Bullies Out who are teaching people this before it happens so you know people know what to look out for Um, they know how to help others that might be going through bullying and that kind of thing I definitely think it's there's more out there to to access I also think that's the one good thing about social media is that had I been able to type in I'm bullied what can I do that would have helped but I had no one to talk to about that. There was no social media or internet. Mm. Helen, do you get children contacting like Childline or the NSPCC that are the ones that are causing the pain on others? Or do you work with predominantly 
uh, the kids that are at the receiving end? I think we hear generally from more children experiencing bullying than those that are, are exhibiting the bullying behaviours. And likewise, in the, the parent workshops that we run around keeping children safe online, I think I've been running those since 2015 and I've only ever spoken to two parents that talk about their child exhibiting bullying behaviours online, whereas opposed to the hundreds mm. of parents that have talked about their child experiencing bullying so I think there's still very much a stigma about acknowledging that you're exhibiting bullying behaviors or that your child is um so yeah I think I mean we certainly saw um you know the the, the pandemic really changing the landscape for, for for bullying and and you know at the beginning of the lockdown many children were contacting us telling us that they felt it was you know they were getting a respite from what was going on in school so that was good mm. and then for some children that online bullying massively escalated because they were using tech much more. So therefore, you know, the access to, to what was going on was, was there. Um, and, and for others, you know, bullying in real life was then moving on to bullying online um, for the first time. So for some children, a great respite. For other children, it exacerbated the problem. And yeah, I would certainly say that we hear from more children who are experiencing the challenge of being bullied. And so what's your thoughts on like, or how would you advise them to take action? Is it standing up to them? I mean, I know you've you've said about speaking to an adult, but, you know, if you're in a confronting situation, what? Yeah, I think being assertive can sometimes be really helpful for a young person to stand up to it. But it's a really, really challenging thing to do. And a young person might be really worried about doing that if they've never done it before and actually you know bullying chips away at your self-confidence your self-esteem so you know it's a big ask to say to somebody who's being chipped away at daily to, to stand up to that but and again you know if you are being assertive is that going to be seen as being aggressive so we hear and I certainly talk to parents that have took you know they've encouraged their child to to maybe say something back or do something back and in turn that's got them into bother so I think it's about that proportionate response and and if they're the person experiencing bullying can you know stand up for themselves and, and stay calm brilliant but um but also not to have that conversation if you're really pe- pent up and, and angry and the situation is, is likely to, to escalate you know that walk away thing seek help kind of always better and you know, being around people that make you feel good, like Lisa talked about, communities that online that make you feel good. Likewise, seek out in real life if you've got that one person or that hobby or that activity that makes you feel good about yourself. Mm. And Lucy, you mentioned before about turning bystanders into upstanders, which I loved the use of language there. Again, I think that takes courage, doesn't it? Because you don't want to become the victim. Yeah, a lot of the the time in the bullying cycle, the person who is overlooked is the bystander because we look at them as the witness or the informant. And we forget that actually, you know, there are so many feelings that that go through us. I mean, as adults, if we see an altercation in the street, you think about how we feel. Mm -hmm. That's an awful lot to put on children and especially some younger children who may not have the emotional vocabulary to understand what those feelings are. You know, a feeling like guilt, for example, that, that's a very difficult emotion for a young child to articulate that they're feeling. So there's a lot going on there. 
And when we when we work with adults, we can talk about upstanding and say, if you were to see, for example, bullying in the workplace, you know, you should stand up and speak out. And it, but for children, it's a very different narrative because that puts an additional amount of pressure on someone who may already be feeling very vulnerable. So what we um, like to say to them is that you still can upstand, but there's lots of ways we can upstand. So if someone has been bullied and you see them sat alone, go and ask if they're okay, because that's upstanding. Mm. If you ask them to play with you because another group's left them out, well, that's upstanding. If you go home having seen something happen and you, you, know, you haven't said anything at the time, but you then tell your parents so that they can phone the school or you tell a teacher three days later, that is still upstanding. It's never too late. And it doesn't have to be this, the stereotypical stand up in the middle of a, a fight and split up two people. You can upstand in so many more covert ways and you can really make a difference. So if there is anyone listening who is thinking, actually, I have seen something take place and it has been festering because actually I didn't do anything about it. You, know, you still can. Um, there's lots of ways you can make a difference it's never too late mm. and then what about the person who has um, displayed this aggressive abusive behavior is it never too late for them to so we would say you wake up every day and you have a choice of, of, of how to be so it is never too late to make a difference in that and one of the things that, that we try and do by going into schools and working with people proactively around their behaviour is, um, you know, we, we go in and we speak to, um, to teachers and people that work with children and young people around the gateway behaviours and then maybe the signs to look out for um, that someone might be starting to display bullying behaviour. Because if we can make an intervention, if we can get in there and actually work with them and develop coping strategies with them, we can halt that in its tracks. So, yes, I certainly, from my perspective, it is never too late. And if you are listening to this and thinking, actually, some of what you're saying there is making me a little uncomfortable, you know, contact us because, you know, it could well be that we can give you some support in that behaviour. But, yes, we wake up every day and we have the choice about who we want to be. That's ours. That's on us. So, yes, I, I do think that we can all change our behaviour. I love that. And I, I wonder as well, and Helen, maybe you could take this one in terms of whether it's the person that's at the receiving end or it's the, the bystander that wants to be an upstander. The bullying behaviour can be quite crafty, can't it? It can be quite subtle. It doesn't necessarily always have to. So you, you question yourself when you're starting to have these questions. Is it the early prevention and nipping it in the bud sooner rather than later? I see you nodding. So even if you're thinking, well, maybe, but maybe not, the advice you would give is to to speak out to an agreement. Yeah, always share. If something's leaving you feeling uncomfortable, just speak to speak to somebody. And that if that can be, you know, whoever's at home, somebody at school, someone at your youth club, or indeed Childline you know, or another organisation just to seek that help and advice. Because I think what we hear from children is they tolerate, tolerate, tolerate. And that has a massive emotional buildup for children. And as Lisa mentioned, that can go into your adulthood. That can be lifelong impact. And what we're trying to reduce is that impact on, on mental health and that um, depression and anxiety. And the ability to form relationships, trusting relationships as you get older, so it is really important that you seek help if you're just feeling uncomfortable about anything that's happening to you as a, a child or young person. And, and Childline is there for issues big, big or small. And, and we can help you navigate that and work out a, a bit of a plan of action. 
And Lisa, final question for you. If you could go back to yourself during those those years and offer some words of advice and reassurance or guidance, what, what would you say to you back then? With the knowledge that I have now, that everything that is happening to you is going to make you who you are now. Because the things that have happened to me in life and you know, I have an amazing business and you know, I'm a self-made multimillionaire. All of those things have happened because I was bullied. Because what it did is meant that I had a perspective on how people act and what people need and how people feel the need to belong and how lots of us feel like we don't fit in that has enabled me to be relatable to other people who need to feel like included. And um, my whole business is based around people being included, whether in in business or in communities online or anything. And um, it's made me what I am. I believe that it's no coincidence that some of the most successful singers, actors, athletes were bullied as children. I think that it gives you a strength that some other people may not have when you've been through that. Because when you face an obstacle, you've been through worse. So it doesn't bother you as much. I think that's a a great way to close the episode on a positive. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nice to meet you all. Thanks, everyone. Hello, it's Gabby back with you. If you have been affected by this episode and would like to reach out to get help for yourself or somebody you know, head to bulliesout.com. That's bulliesout.com. You can also call Childline for free on 0800 1111. That's 0800 1111. Thank you again to Helen Westerman from the NSPCC and Childline. Lisa Johnson, kick-ass businesswoman, influencer and a spokesperson for Bullies Out and the lovely Lucy Howard, head of content and media for Bullies Out for all giving their time so generously into the making of this episode. And that, my friends, concludes series one of the My Possible Self podcast. We are in the process of giving season two a bit of a makeover and a big thanks to everyone who took part on our pod survey and Instagram poll to help us shape the best possible season two for you. If you don't already follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self on Twitter and Instagram. And that's where you can find out when season two is ready to rock. So stand by. Thank you for listening. Do take care of yourself. And bye for now.